0: There is a fifth dimension, beyond that which is known to man. A dimension of sound. For the 158th time, you are not getting out of here. Please let me finish the Count of Monte Cristo. A dimension of sight.
1: No change at all. What? I, I think I look fine. A dimension of mind.
0: Next stop, the twilight zone. what's going on everyone welcome back to the fifth dimension a twilight zone podcast i am as your host as always nick nine of season one of the twilight zone we're back after recording from a couple weeks you know we took a a week off because i had some reviews to do and you know our avatar was probably sitting in the cold somewhere he just kind of wondering about that cup of whatever she has in her you know <laughs> avatar picture there but once again i'm joined by triv of trivial theater triv how you doing How has your last couple of weeks been since we recorded all that good stuff
1: need... <laughs> not doing too bad i uh, could always use a little bit of uh, liqueur to lace my coffee but uh you know i'm not doing okay
0: well, I mean, if you, you know, like this guy in this episode, if you start dreaming about it, maybe it'll come true. Over I now.
1: don't want to die in my dreams due to a romantic heart.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you die, but I mean, maybe you can imagine yourself having a, uh, you know, a Scrooge-like vault of, uh, you know, beer and alcohol and whiskey. and. But, um... but I can't
1: dive into that. What's the point if I can't dive through the bottles of, of stuff the way that, that, um, scrooge mcduck does i mean
0: i mean if he can dive through very um hard pieces of coin that a lot obviously he could, that would kill him i think he'd be fine diving through shattered glass and bottles and stuff
1: i'm just gonna say ouch and no and we should probably <laughs> get on talking about this episode because you have a weird fetish with diving into sharp objects that i'm kind of worried about
0: I am I am I uh I call my I call my uh brain sharp object because it's very very fragile but <laughs> uh anyways so yes we are here once again to talk twilight zone you know the 1959 to 1964 whatever series that was on that for five what we're or six talking years
1: about holy crap i didn't know that know, we, we were t- talking about the twilight uh, movie franchise
0: no no uh we did that yesterday when we watched night teeth and uh sparkle sparkle <laughs> and all that good stuff so hey, there were no um... sparkly
1: vampires let's let's <laughs> be frank i mean unless they were blowing up they were a little sparkly but i not quite the same thing
0: exactly <laughs> um, <laughs> So before we begin, we are a Twilight Zone podcast. We talk about the Twilight Zone. We have been uh, doing this for quite a while. As I always say, we have a, you know, the video form that shows up on YouTube. We now have the audio form as well that shows up on Apple Podcasts and Google Play, all that good stuff. If you go to any of those and you like our content, please rate, subscribe, you know, give us stars and stuff like that so we can be found by the community that is the uh, entertainment community and fandom and stuff like that. we want to make money off this one day hopefully maybe in the future <laughs> be cool. well you know if you uh, look but, behind uh,
1: me we actually have quite a few stars as it sits within inside the twilight zone logo that's got to count for something right
0: i know i i wish we, well, every one of those stars was a, a dollar we'd be uh never having to work again you know
1: yay <laughs> <laughs>
0: so here we are talking the week after time enough at last and as we you know, recognize the episode is pretty amazing. It has some issues as we uh, brought it up, but um, this week we're talking about an episode called Perchance the Dream, which is once again season one, episode nine of The Twilight Zone. It's directed by Robert Florey and actually not written by Rod Sterling this time, it's actually written by Charles Beaumont, who the uh story is a short story based off a Charles Beaumont story. And, you know, it's really interesting because I always thought that Rod Sterling wrote almost every script of the season, or he wrote every script of the season. At some point, he started handing it off to other writers. But as we've talked about, and I know Tripp, you know this as well, he is an individual who is very uh, well known to be friends with Charles Beaumont, and they developed a relationship. And, you know, like a lot of his writers, he brought him on because they had interesting stories to tell. So with that said, uh, was there any, do you remember, I guess that we should start out, do you remember this episode at all? all before watching it
1: oh yeah i've actually seen this one a couple times and it is one that i remember enjoying but i having watched it again even with a critical eye to it i did still Uh. by and large enjoy it
0: yeah no it's an episode that i actually don't remember at all which is really weird because i have seen this episode before i'm pretty sure because i've seen every episode of the twilight zone but as we're going to talk about you like this episode i am entirely not on board with this episode at all i know as you, I'm sure you know, this was speculated to be a inspiration for Wes Craven for Nightmare on Elm Street, as well as the novella, which uh, was written by Charles Beaumont, which, as we can see in the episode, it has a lot of the same kind of motifs and a lot of the same uh, logical reasonings that Wes Craven put in his movie, you know, the people who refuse to sleep, and when they go to sleep, they deal with, you know, a creature or a demon or an entity, I guess you could say, and that's what's going to happen in this episode, but um. yeah it's uh like you know reading that kind of stuff did you see also that kind of that relations and stuff like that that oh
1: yeah and I think you can you could judge the whole like being scared to sleep thing from a lot of different levels but it definitely like the kind of carnivalist or carnival atmosphere definitely plays into that what we get from uh, West Craven down the way too so
0: with that said, it's um, the production code for this episode is 173-3616, which means it was actually filmed two episodes after Time Enough at Last. Um, the composer is not actually Bernard Herrmann in this time. It's actually oh. uh, Nathan von Cleave, which you can... <laughs> It's a really strange thing to talk about composers, but music really has a, a very interesting impact on films and TV. And you can actually kind of tell that this isn't a Bernard Herrmann score. And even with Time Enough at Last, same thing. There's there's a definitely, if you like listening to like John Williams or Hans Zimmer, there's definitely a look and feel to the composer that is missing here, which actually kind of put me off a little bit just on the way way it kind of moves through the, the episode and stuff like that. So another thing, really interesting kind of trivia note about this is I read through um, Wikipedia and I I have no idea what I did with the book or I'm sure there's trivia in there. I feel like an idiot for not knowing Um, this episode. I know this episode (laughs) is also inspired by Hamlet's uh, to be or not to be. And I guess that episode or that speech is about suicide, contemplates death and suicide. bemoaning the Yeah. Uh, Yeah which I thought sleep was really fascinating. Perchance okay. to dream. Okay. That also oh, the actual title. I I see I have never read this uh to be or not to be which um from Hamlet. So I, I actually I don't think I've ever read Hamlet. So so that's where perchance from perchance to dream came from, huh?
1: Yeah, it was like to be or not to be is it greater to uh, I am going to screw it up. But it's later on he says to sleep perchance to dream as part of that. So.
0: Ah. Uh, see, you learn something new every day.
1: Yeah, there
0: you go. There's something new every day, and um, the only time I remember Hamlet is when Billy Madison was doing Hamlet, uh, and <laughs> it, was, uh, some it is stuff, one so. of
1: the underrated uh, performances of Hamlet. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are some shitty ones.
0: Exactly. Didn't Mel um, Gibson
1: play Hamlet?
0: Yeah, I think he did one that was directed by Kenneth Branagh, if I remember right. Um, I think so. Or he directed? Let me let me check. I think he was in future features this. a
1: very clear uh and it's told it's said that um hamlet has an affair with his mom but they outrightly i think show the affair with his mom a pretty much yeah i <laughs> love incest incest forever uh, no, this- baby
0: <laughs> no, this is directed <laughs> by franco zeffirelli I think oh is what his name is, so. there you go that's yeah, a random it. guy that i've never heard of before so
1: franco zeffirelli wasn't that now i'm thinking frank zappa never mind
0: <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure this guy didn't, uh, wasn't a, uh, pot-smoking, uh, no <laughs> I've watched that documentary and I know that guy was a clean, clean individual. So he, uh, <laughs> this is going straight off the rails. I'm sorry people. So let's okay. go back to per, per chance of dream. So anyways, it was, it's, it's inspired by Hamlet's to be or not to be. It's based on a Charles Beaumont story. And it's the first one not written by Ross Sterling. Um, And so this story is really interesting because it's actually probably one of the most simple stories I've ever seen in a Twilight Zone. It's very straightforward. It does stuff really simply, but it has an interesting kind of overlining theme about certain events and we'll talk about that but going into this movie or going to this episode as i always ask as uh, from a critical eye knowing that you've seen it before and remember it did you think did you find yourself possibly enjoying this episode or did you think you might like time enough at last maybe going this with a, a little more negativity did you still go in knowing that you'd enjoy it or
1: i i think the Time enough at last has such hype around it, and I do think mm. you get caught up in that hype. and perchance to dream doesn't necessarily have that as much. It is more of an even keeled story. And I know for me personally, like I felt not that not that you can relate to dreaming of death or being scared to sleep for fear of death on a normal basis, but I do think that that's something that everyone can relate to. And exactly. knowing it was done by Charles Beaumont mm-hmm. and his the way he writes science fiction and supernatural stories. I think you can look at this and say, this is, you know, it comes from a place of realism in our own psyches, but then it's taken and elevated.
0: That's what's so fascinating about this episode. Like, so we'll talk about it is just the idea and concept of how we are so terrified of life and we're always constantly running away from the things that we can't help and you know, this individual is having such terrifying dreams and stuff like that. But getting into the opening narration, it, it's pretty simple. We see uh, Edward Hall on the street. He looks like, I'm, I'm not sure, I guess this might come off funny, but he looks like he's like an addict, like he's a drug addict because he's like shaking and he's like staring wide eyed at the the people on the street. He walks up to the building and like somebody approaches him. and he's like, are you all right, buddy? And, you know, that's when the opening narration pops up. And Rod Sterling says, uh, 12 o'clock noon, an ordinary scene in ordinary city, lunchtime for thousands of ordinary people. To most of them, the hour will be a rest, a pleasant break in in day's routine, to most, but not all. To Edward Hall, time is an enemy, and the hour to come is a matter of life and death. So... That's a pretty standard setup, pretty good setup. We're getting a lot of information about this individual just through those couple sentences about this guy is afraid of time, afraid of whatever he's afraid of, life and death, but Just going off that sentence, did you, let's say you've never watched this episode before. Would you understand what you're getting yourself into, not knowing that there's dream logic and there's uh, this woman named Maya and this doctor and stuff like that? Do you think this would have made sense for you or do you feel it's a little confusing? How do you feel about like the opening narration?
1: I knew exactly what was going to happen, except for I thought the lady's name was going to be Sylvia and not Maya.
0: okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay.
1: Sorry. no i i really didn't um you know they what they what they start you with like i guess it does kind of precurse what's going to happen you see kind of because it starts with um the big tall shot of the building mm-hmm. and i suppose if you look at it from that perspective he's looking up and then later on you know he looks down in a rather you know extreme way yeah but um, (laughs) exactly from that perspective i suppose you could see it that way but no if i would have come into this not knowing where it was going to lead i would have thought it was like you said dealing with a drug addict or some something other than obviously he's paranoid about something but we have no idea
0: right and that's what's interesting is this episode is to me, one of the most Twilight zone type episodes, mm-hmm. because the episodes that deal with, like, paranoia and the the unknown, or stuff that I think Rod Serling was really, ad- I mean, this is really my Charles Beaumont, but Charles Beaumont and Rod Serling and all the writers he had were very adept at doing, which is just the unknown nature of the human existence and condition i mean none nobody knows until it happens and maybe they don't even know depending on your your belief what happens after you die and yeah. this is just a, a story about a guy who's afraid of something that is in his dream that you know because it's a twilight zone it's uh affecting who he is and stuff like that but you know we we talk actually you and i talk a lot about you know i'll wake up and i'll tell you about a dream i had and it's pretty crazy how effective dreams can be on a subconscious level in your day-to-day life and um it shows so i I don't know if you have anything to say on that but it's it's yeah no i agree
1: i I think that you know like the the falling dream like why do we dream about Mm. the things that we dream about it does you know it does bring to light where do these come from you know and the the there's so much, there's a lot known about it, you know, a lot more than they knew about in 1959, but there's still so much we don't know.
0: And this episode, I mean, is not going into like the true unknown. This is an episode about a guy who is having these weird dream like visions and so like that, but. It still deals with, I put it in, it still deals with, you know, running away from fears, our commitments, us being a human and in a nutshell. And, you know, he's running, he's running away from the things he can't change and the fears that of just human existence and stuff like that. So, but with that said, like I said, Edward, Edward Hall, who's played by, of course, uh, Richard Conti, Dr. Elliot uh, Rathman is played by John Larch and Maya, Miss Thomas is played by Susan Lloyd. And so ha- Edward Hall walks in or runs into the building he we are introduced to Dr. Elliot Rathman, who is the pretty much the second principal and only principal character outside of Edward Hall Yep. but he walks <laughs> in there and you have no idea why he's there. you know that he he goes in there and the even the doctor is kind of uh not really knowing why he's there he was just kind of uh referenced by his uh, Edward's uh, other doctor but once again, You're at a point in this episode where this guy is ranting and raving. Do you think that this concept of this character and how his, like, overall portrayal got you on board for this episode? Were you, like, really worried that he was going to do something stupid at this point? Like, how did you... I, I know I'm kind of leading leading you on no, with these questions, but where did you see the like from the opening narration to the point he walks in the office? Was there did you still feel like it was like a drug issue? Do you What do you, you how do you feel about that? I guess.
1: When he went into the, I had actually, it's been quite a while since I've seen this one. So when he went mm. into the doctor's office, obviously, you know, it said Dr. Rathman on the door. So you knew it was going into a doctor's office, but mm. I, for some reason still thought it was like a normal doctor, not a psychologist. Right. Um. So, you know, when, when they move back and you see like the couch there and all that stuff, it's like, oh, okay. Right. He's, he's a therapist kind of doctor, not a doctor, not like a, you know, turned your head to the left and cough time type of doctor. Um. So from that, you know, like, it, you, you know, when he starts going in and talking about all the stuff that's going on, you get the idea, okay, this is what he's here for, da 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 So yeah, I, 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 you could still be drug-oriented at that state Um, if you came in. And I mean, he was on drugs, but it was for his heart, not for, you know, like something to keep him awake or like an antipsychotic or whatever.
0: Right. And um I don't know if this is a hundred percent true, but I was looking up the uh ancestry of Rathman and it's a German occup- occupational name for counselor or arbiter. Uh, but it is also in Hesse also is executioner, which I think is kind it, of interesting.
1: Oh yeah, well, and it generally fits, yeah. Yeah.
0: So I thought that was kind of a, a fascinating thing, but the thing, before we get into what exactly is going on, there is a shot where Rathman tells Hall to lay down, and Hall Hall falls asleep, and it leads into like a major situational plot point at the very end of the episode. But he wakes back up, and so on and so forth. But there is a really cool shot before he lays down that I haven't seen uh, The Twilight Zone do yet, which is a uh, a crane shot from the office to the couch. So it actually pulls up and moves towards Edward Hall. It moves down kind of like you're looking from the heavens or something like that, or you're almost like an angel you're pulling up and, you know, moving with Edward Hall's character and moving down, like you're getting ready to as we'll learn and what happens at the end of this episode, there's a, I'm not saying that's what it is, but it was a really fascinating mm-hmm. kind of shot, which I maybe they used as just kind of a technique, type of mood but i was almost feeling like that was maybe like an angel or something like that because he's always having these issues about his dreams and stuff like that maybe how it plays out but i I don't know that was just a really cool shot it maybe doesn't mean anything i always look into things sometimes too too deeply so not at
1: all i there was um, a couple of those kind of things like the way that they mm use light and shadow in this move in this uh, episode was incredibly cool across the board um and then there's also um the the music or the kind of sound effects and music that go yeah. on like when he goes to sleep is something like it does kind of give you that kind of disjoint just disjointed kind of musical stinger
0: yeah kind of thing. and well i was gonna say the the shadowing light you're talking about you're talking about like over the eyes and stuff like that yeah right? exactly that that's a really interesting 50s and 60s technique that i always enjoy because you always see it like it's used even in like wizard of oz in the 30s and i think it's to show the emotion in the eyes and it kind of brings it out to make it because it's all black and white it makes it it gives it more of a pop but it, it it has an interesting feel to it because especially in this episode because it's how deep and dark and disturbing it gets the idea of just focusing on the eyes which give the most emotion like if you ever watch a a movie where a characters in a lot of makeup you can always tell who the character is just by their eyes and how emotionally resonant it is and i thought that was fascinating but yeah right. that's it's a very cool technique that they do in this this episode as well and i'm sure they do it in other episodes but
1: oh yeah um, there is one other cool shot in there too um yeah. you're talking about just the kind of interesting shots there's a close-up mm-hmm. shot he talks about this boat on the wall that He relates back to a story that he had when he was a kid. Yeah. About how he stared at this picture on the wall and made it move because his imagination was incredibly good. Mm. But it goes from this close up shot of the boat over to his face. And just it's a it's a really quick like a a whip zoom or no, what is it? Mm -hmm. A a whip trying to think of the proper term. Basically, it was just called whip zoom. (laughs) Yeah, it's something like that. But it goes to his face, and that's when you get some of those light effects on his face. Mm -hmm. And it's just like it hits you
0: right right it's it's amazing how effective like the simplest things like music like a, a small musical cue or uh, a lighting effect and that's what like you know uh um alfred hitchcock and orson welles and so on and so forth mm-hmm. and most famous for is doing those kind of like shots that are so technically advanced but so simple and so like potent in a lot of respects and it's interesting to see how that works and like i said you know if you've ever stared at a picture and i'm not talking about one of those you like your eyes like you know squint and it's like blur in you can see like a picture in that like weird thing you know Uh, like the in like magic um, eye ball rats yeah magic eye like in mall rats and stuff like that i just
1: want to see the sailboat
0: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) like how he turns to the kid f (laughs) you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah if you've ever stared at a picture long enough i mean he tells the truth he's almost can see like it almost moves and stuff like that mm-hmm. and you know whether he's like actually seeing it move it has an interesting kind of effect on his kind of psycholo- psych- psycho- psychology psych psychology and there's psychoanalysis or whatever it's you want to psyche. Call it. yeah psyche thank you i'm going like doctor's terms now or some okay. nonsense. <laughs> but as we move into the episode the episode is essentially about a man who is having issues with dreams. And what's really interesting is like we talked about earlier in the uh, this, this episode is the way this episode plays out is very similar to Nightmare on Elm Street uh, in its own respect because uh, I'm just saying it, Nightmare on Elm Street. Anyways, you know what I mean. Um, what it's doing is it's giving us a story about a guy who's being tormented by something in his dreams. And it's causing him to lose his sanity. But what's interesting is he talks to his doctor. He gives a story to his doctor about this time he was like in his car or something like that. And he kept imagining that somebody was in the back seat. You know, the funny thing about I, I, I actually got to ask you this. This. I couldn't remember this scene where he's talking to the doctor about the car. Was this a dream or was this something that happened to him in the past? Because he talks about when he's like 15 years old and when he was a kid. But do you remember Mm -hmm. if this was actually a dream or something that happened to him?
1: This actually happened to him. So he was driving, he drove to and from through this darkened area. And he heard a story about someone seeing like a lady that was killed and she's, you know, the guy hid in her backseat and he relates back to that. And then he goes on to talk about how after that. He was always looking his rearview mirror, and his imagination would get away from him. And he, you know, he never saw anything until the one time mm-hmm. he saw a face. He flipped his car, had an accident, almost died because um he. In addition to the dream thing, he has a rheumatic a rheumatic heart.
0: Yeah, yeah, as a heart, yeah, like a bad heart condition. Yeah.
1: Yeah, which is I looked it up. It's um, a condition where the heart valves are permanently damaged from a rheumatic fever. The heart valve okay. may damage uh, shortly after being untreated or undertreated um, strepococcal infections, such as strep throat or scarlet fever.
0: It's it's really actually talking about that for a second. It's really interesting to see how far we've come in medicine, just even the last you know, 60, 70 years. You know, this is the kind of stuff that what he's dealing with is something that probably could have been curable today.
1: Yeah. Well, um, it, it, if you're untreated, but yeah, ideally speaking, you would get it treated
0: yeah but it's just i'm wondering if like what he has is something that wasn't well known in the like the medical field and how to cure it back in the 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 50s and 60s
1: well i think if let's Uh. see because if he was if this was he was 35 and if this was 59 he would have been born in uh 34
0: yeah okay Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah yeah
1: in that time maybe like they probably had stuff but they might not have it might not have been widespread to be able to help people so Hmm. like it might have been out there but not for the general public as much
0: right right it's um yeah it's interesting to think about because you hear always all all these times about people who have like uh strep throat or something like that and i'm not saying what that's what it is but Mm -hmm. they end up dying from it and just how Today, you know, our cures and stuff like that could, you know, saved a lot of people back back yeah. in those days. But Oh
1: yeah, very much so.
0: Um so getting back on kind of topic of this episode, so he has the heart issue. He crashes his car because he sees the I'm assuming he sees Maya's character, the uh
1: Yep, in the rear view maya yeah
0: maya uh suzanne he doesn't know
1: he only sees her eyes though he doesn't see the rest of her
0: which i'm I'm going to remind me but i'm going to talk about something that i thought was kind of interesting about that possibility and so he starts conveying actually he opens the window as well looks out the window which once again we talked about this on time enough at last i'm starting to see a thing where these this crew this group of individuals this writer staff and directors are willing to go to some really dark places, even in 1959, I think it was. We're still in 1959 yeah. to tell a story. So this guy is looking out the window. Like the doctor even is like contemplating, he's because this guy contemplates suicide because he shuts the window. Mm-hmm. And I really find that fascinating. I was really put off by it, but I'm starting to wonder if like these episodes are just like cautionary tales also about, um, uh, mental illnesses as well, which I thought was kind of fascinating. If you know they they read stories about people having dream issues or you know stuff like that. I mean, I know this is based off a, a book from Charles Beaumont, but did he had did he read stuff about you know people having dream problems and stuff like that? And I just really think it's interesting these social commentary issues that are put into these types of you know episodes, even for nineteen fifty nine, because this is stuff even today that uh, can be a little um called not risque but um let's say you put like uh a taboo. sex scene or something like taboo thank you can be very taboo even today people don't really want to they're a little more adhered to it but they mm-hmm. you know still very taboo in its nature but but he um he starts talking to he starts talking to the doctor i think this was either after or before the the end of the act uh but he starts talking to the doctor about this dream he's been having that caused him to wake up stay awake for 87 hours and uh before we get into that because i'm sorry if i'm going over the place but right. before we get into that um we'll say the end act ends there the, scene, the little bit that we know about his dream with the car and him walking into the room and him looking out the window possibly committing suicide what was your overall take on that first act? Did you enjoy it? Did you find problems with it? Like where were you sitting after that first act?
1: I think the build up for it was pretty good. You you kind of you knew something was coming, but mm-hmm. you didn't quite know what. Um like and another thing that was kind of a, that'll come back later. That I got thinking about at this point when you saw the eyes in the in the rear view, like mm-hmm. when he walks into the into the um the waiting room of the doctor, you only see yeah. the back of the secretary's head.
0: Yeah, and that's which- that's gonna play out later on in the later. episode yeah exactly no but no i think but, um, i
1: think that i think that he did um i think that it's got a i think that it builds tension pretty well because at mm-hmm. the very last thing they do they kind of cliffhang you like before it comes before it, it kind of breaks um yeah. he says i'll dream and i won't wake up this dream will mm-hmm. basically kill me i i'm paraphrasing but and I, yeah, I, I think no. they do i think they do a really solid job of that if anything i think that the psychologist like because there is some humor that the psychologist plays with as they're going back and forth and i think that that's kind of interesting and then you know he guy goes to look out the window and starts to lean out and the psychologist is like okay i need to take a step back
0: (laughs) yeah because um i know psychologists use things and patterns and concepts to kind of get into the working mind of how an individual um like perceives things. So I I don't necessarily think I was on board with Dr. Rathman. I think he was a little too simplified for a doctor. I mean, yes, the window thing is, you know, prevalent and stuff like that, but uh, maybe it's the fact that he, in a Twilight Zone episode, maybe he had to make it a little more simplified. But I thought Edward Hall's character was interesting, a little too over the top in his nature, the way he talks and the way he acts. Um, knowing from, you know, because he's under a lot of stress, he hasn't slept. Knowing from four days of not sleeping, I don't know how many days you've gone without sleeping. Not that I know long. I don't, not like, oh, not four hours. I'll tell you what, you see things, it's crazy. It's not something I'd ever recommend, but I've done it. But I don't act like this. Um, I don't, you know, I still had crazy dreams when I actually slept. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I just think the, the idea of this character and what he's doing is a little a little too over the top and silly for an individual. I think, you know, the idea of his dreams and stuff like that has done, been done better since. But I just didn't buy this Dr. Rathman at all in the, the first part. And I think he's even... <sighs> I think until the very end sequence, I don't think he really adds too much outside of just being the audience surrogate as a listener to his story mm-hmm. and maybe giving a little bit of advice, and we'll talk about that. But, I mean, do you do you agree with that? Do you find fault in that statement? I mean, what are you overall, wh- what's your that, feeling? I,
1: I think that you make a good point. I mean, he definitely doesn't. Mm-hmm. He plays, He. it's like the old saying about I play a doctor on TV. I mean, it is more that perspective <laughs> than right. anything else yeah but i do think like i i think the idea that he kind of because you, you got to have someone to bounce those stuff off of and i think that as you say he does he does act as audience surrogate mm-hmm. and you know when he first comes in i you know psychologists at the time were portrayed as you know a little bit more simple i guess you know they weren't going to go in depth okay i'm gonna you know subscribe or goodness lord i'm going <laughs> to prescribe you you know, this and that and the other thing, or, oh, well, this is clearly the sign of a deranged mind or, you know, whatever it's going to be. Um, you know, it is sort of played like when he comes in, he has sort of played just a tiny bit for humor, trying to lighten the mood with the guy, you know, and kind of say, okay, it, it you know, let's, let's talk it down from this place. Let's, you know, he's trying to break the, break the tension, I think more than anything else, but he definitely right. serves as an audience surrogate. There's no doubt about that.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it's, um, it was, it was just weird to me personally. It's weird from knowing what it's like to not sleep for so many days to see a character kind of put it like a, almost like a, a comedy act in a lot of respects. That's just my personal opinion. It was I understood. an episode where there was in, I don't want to fault Charles Beaumont because I was looking at some of the, First movies he ever worked. He worked on something called Queen of Space, Queen of the Space, or something like Outer Space, or something. Oh like yeah, no,
1: that, <laughs> I know that um, movie.
0: <laughs> oh, you do? Okay, I'm assuming it's very campy in its own right. It tends so, to be,
1: at least from what I remember yeah. of it. It's been quite a while, but
0: right. And I know he's a great fictional writer. I know he's very famous for what he does. But sometimes, like a writer, you know, especially J.K. Rowling, for example, translating the writing portion to script portion, it, it takes a level of finesse. Um, right. you've seen this through Stephen King as well. Level oh, yeah, <laughs> they, they don't have, yeah, exactly. And it doesn't take away from the episode having a lot of interesting meshes, messages about fear and uh commitments and you know the causality of how we are scared of what is the unknown. But I just thought the scripting was a little offbeat. And of course, Charles Beaumont, if I read this right, he, he has written more. Oh, it's actually not the right one. Uh, he's written one, two, three, four. Let's just say he's written, like, 25 episodes of the Twilight the Zone, so Matt he gets much better. To those, too. Exactly. That is a perfect <laughs> episode. You talked about, um, was it the Prime Mover or the uh, Painter's Printers, Devil? Printer's Devil. Printer's Devil, yeah. Yeah, he did Living Doll. He did um, Queen of the Nile wasn't that great, but he's long-distance call. I think I actually didn't like that mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> As we talk about, but anyways, uh he, he 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 learns to craft his own, his craft and stuff like that. And for a first effort, it's not bad, but I'm not like, you know, on no, board okay. with this. Yeah. So anyways, right. we move. <laughs> I know, right. I'm going to be this tangent. time,
1: but you do it again. And I'm going to have to, you know, lay this back down.
0: You're going to write, you're going to put out that shirt. Stop tangenting.
1: Yes. Well, I tangent myself. <laughs> so if I were to wear that, I would be a hypocrite.
0: so anyways we come back from the the break and stuff like that and this is where we get the crux of the episode we basically learn why he hasn't slept for 87 hours which is a long time as we are all aware i've just said and what he talks about is he's at a carnival and it's very much in a kind of way they, like, move... Like, the angles and stuff like that, there's really something off about it. And he goes up to uh, to shoot the uh, targeting gun game or whatever, and he sees... Um a gentleman introducing a woman who we don't see until he gets close to it and it's maya the cat lady and it's be safe to say that maya the cat lady is a very odd person a very odd human character individual uh played very well by the by the actress um what's her name again susan know, something
1: or, susan Lloyd. Lloyd?
0: yeah she's absolutely fantastic as the as the weird creepy woman there's something that uh, Edwards character Edward Hall's character starts to feel really off about this dream and he walks away from Maya as she does her dance he starts to become kind of uh, a little uh hypnotized by her character he mm-hmm. walks over and he sits down as he walks away and she approaches him and she actually almost like uh gets him to go with her to this tent uh, you know, fun house this is called pays 50 cents he walks in. And there's like all these weird creature things and all these weird, like devil looking things, like mm-hmm. uh, animatronics. I can't remember if it's this one or the second dream he talks about where we see like this uh, monkey looking. Uh, yeah, that, character. that's the,
1: the fun house.
0: Is it? The, yep. I, I'll be honest with you. I laughed because it was a really cheesy kind of a, <laughs> a really cheesy looking thing. But this first dream that he has. It's really unsettling. It's really uncomfortable. It's really creepy. Do you agree? Like, was, do you feel that it, it worked as a kind of unsettling nature about why he's not able to sleep? Or is there anything you have to add to oh, yeah. talk about that?
1: I think it definitely could creep you out. If, if you were, the mm. thing is, and it wasn't even so much like, because they did a great job with like the angles and kind of the, there is an unsettling aspect to that, the way that it mm. shot um, and the way that it moves. And it they did a, they did a tremendous job with that. But I think bigger for me was the fact that, and I mean, sometimes you can acknowledge that you're in a dream when you're dreaming, but both him and Maya acknowledge the fact that they're in a dream. They both understand it, which normally isn't the case.
0: Yeah, because if you know anything about dreams, there are certain ideas and theories that there are certain people who can uh, affect their dream. But most of the time, you're just kind of like this camera in your dream and you're just kind of following along as your story kind of plays out and in whatever insane nature your brain is going in. And the fact that he's able to acknowledge that he's in a dream is a really fascinating thing because it plays into the, um, scary nature of, is this reality? Is this something that is, uh, perchance to death? Or projecting a dream. I mean, it's really kind of a fascinating concept about, you know, it's not really gotten to a lot of depth, but the fact that he knows it's a dream is really telling about his mental state mm-hmm. and um about the where um, the forces working in his brain. So very much so. Yeah. Well, I think too really, his
1: like the imagination aspect, the fact that he has mm-hmm. a very strong imagination probably plays into being able to have that. I, I think it's called lucid dreaming, where you're yes, aware yeah, yeah, that you're lucid. in a dream.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, it's a uh, very much a lucid dream. I, I never can remember the term, but yeah, you're right. It's uh, the ability to affect your dream on a, uh, a physical level rather than a metaphysical or however you want to put mm-hmm. it. So, he tells the other part of the dream. He comes back and we see the doctor and him talking and stuff like that. Um, he goes back and he speaks about more of the dream he has another dream this is before he stopped sleeping for 87 hours he's back in the carnival and if i forget anything please correct me because uh like if i forgot anything between it
1: uh but one he, thing one thing real quick yeah. so after that first dream mm-hmm. um his heart was pounding when he woke up mm-hmm. and I, I think it was like the monkey the weird monkey thing that caused him to go off he woke mm-hmm. up it took him an hour to calm his heart down and then we go back into the second dream.
0: Okay. Yeah, see I I knew I didn't write something. <laughs> There's a couple of <laughs> things I probably didn't write down, but um so he he goes back into the second dream and this time she somehow has control of him and she's doing the weird laughter and stuff like that and she forces him onto a roller coaster. Which is not good for his heart, especially when he had uh, heart problems with after the monkey creature yeah. or whatever. <laughs> but she gets him on there, and I know it's fifties, sixties, but it has some of the worst. Like uh, uh, I can't remember what that screening it's, effect uh, is. P-
1: back, I think it's back project, or it's some um, something projection, proje- rear, rear projector. Rear projection. Yeah, rear it, it's
0: awful. It's like really awful. You can tell it's rear projected. You can tell it's you know stock footage and stuff like that. But that's not the uh, that's not the point of the, the thing. The point is. maybe that's what scared him was
1: the terrible rear projection
0: (laughs) that's what made him kill himself yeah exactly but (laughs) but anyway he he's being led up this he's led up to this the the hill before the 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 downhill or whatever and she's like jump off and that's when he wakes up but she keeps trying to have him jump off like she's trying to have him kill himself and that is a really fascinating thing to see because it's really scary in its own right. But if somebody is able to affect you that dramatically in your dream to make you you know, almost die in your dream, that's a, a pretty one either overworked brain Or there's some really interesting entity forces working in his subconscious that are, you know, like, what, 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 I guess the question is, what about this character, Edward Hall, what is making him do this? What is making him see this? Like, I was, this is where my kind of main problem is, like, he's telling these stories about things he's seen in his dreams. I know he has stuff in his childhood, but what exactly is the, the catalyst for what is making him do this? Is, it, is he overworked? Is he overstressed? Is he really seeing something that's like an alternate dimension type situation? I mean, I, I don't know. I was really just kind of maybe a little confused by it. I, I don't no, know.
1: understood. And I, I can't say that I have an answer out rightly. Um, I, I, I kind of interpreted the Maya the cat thing two different ways. One was the fact that mm. she was trying to get him, trying to push him over the edge to die mm. or pushing his heart over the edge. The other side, from a modern perspective, was almost, you know, like you know, this is a dream. It's almost like a matrix thing, like jump, you know, this is all, I mean, not to say matrixy, but kind of matrixy. Right. But I don't think and- that was, I, that was definitely not the, I don't think that that was the the point of this mm. particular thing. I think it was that, that subconscious thing, which we don't get much into him other than the fact he's a draftsman. He lives alone. He's got a no, no pre existing conditions beyond the heart thing. Maybe right. it was the fact that he couldn't, do all that stuff like you know because he couldn't go on roller coasters he couldn't you know he wasn't supposed to um do anything that would cause his body stress because of the heart maybe there was something in inside him that needed that that adventure and it manifested Mm -hmm. in maya the cat
0: yeah i mean that's that's a possibility because you know having something like that and having the ability you know not to be able to do it and you're living everyday life because it's really interesting to see an individual at the beginning of the episode and you're seeing this rat race situation and then you're seeing this gentleman on the outside it's almost like he is maybe saddened by the fact that he can't be part of that or maybe he feels like an outsider and it's caused him so much stress in his life that he's now having nightmares or visions as he claims or whatever he's having and it's truly affecting him because or that or he's woken up like neo and he's realizing that there's only a certain amount of time because he even says like i hear my dreams i only have a certain." amount of time left and maybe he is just his conscious just kind of coming to a realization that he is just i don't know something something different right. maybe i don't know i don't know if that right. makes sense or not
1: well and even with the because the the the, sh- the show starts on like a rotating door and people coming in and out and in and out and you could even say that like that kind of represents rat race mm-hmm. and maybe that that could either a stress him out to the point of oh my god you know look at all this stuff or it could mm-hmm. be like oh i can't be part of that because of my heart like because of physical restrictions so i think you could play that open as either way really
0: right and i i don't know if if the the creatures or the items in the tent because it says a fun house for one which is very telling you know he wants adventure he wants fun he can't have it and he walks in there and it's all these weird objects and toys and whatever you want to call them statues and it's almost like everything that could cause his heart to explode so He's taking that adventure, but he's not listening to his logic, and he's starting to see things start play out situational uh, awareness like that when it comes to his personal health and stuff like that. So it's always it was interesting. I don't know if that makes sense, but it, it, yeah. when he walks into the tent, it's almost like he's trying to be adventurous but it ends up going sour when he sees that monkey-like creature uh just kind of walking <laughs> by and causing the the heart arrhythmia right. or whatever he has so
1: i wonder too if maya was maybe like reckless abandon like that reckless abandon part of his mind
0: yeah that's a that's a good that's a good point because if you think about it She's very outgoing. She's very, you know, wanting to move forward, like movie move uh into excitement, to adventure, go on this, go on that. What's going to the fun house where I'm sure you're gonna die and you know <laughs> Um, but it could be almost like a premonition similar to the the episode which we'll talk about i can't remember what season it is but the woman who keeps seeing the airplane explosion or no no she keeps walking down the the hallway and ends up she ends up saving herself from the airplane explosion at the end of the episode but it's just it's really interesting there's a lot of like you know a lot of theories about where this character is going in these dreams and how it is affecting him and it could be there's a premonition of his death or it could be some underlying force or like you said it could be his wanting of something more that he can't have and it's starting to uh, physically and mentally affect him and you know Mm -hmm. as we see what happens in the end of the episode but the we get to the point where he's at the top of the hill of the roller coaster she's telling him to jump off like uh excitement or something like that and that's when he wakes up and he's worried that if he goes back to sleep he'll get to that point and Mm -hmm. he'll end up killing himself because he is too much excitement as and stuff like that and he decides to leave the the office at this point to uh, whatever he's going to do i don't know he just anyways he leaves the office even against dr rathman's uh you know advice his yeah advice thank you Mm -hmm. and he as this big uh reveal happens we see that the receptionist is is maya who is a different named woman in this uh miss thomas Mm -hmm. she's on she's on typewriter Blah 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 and what was interesting about this and I don't, you, you can also elaborate if you want to as well is i think when he goes into the room he saw maya or he saw Miss whatever uh miss uh thomas and somehow he his mind kind of interjected her character into the story um because when we see how this episode ends it's almost like uh, it's almost a, uh, to me. It's almost a concluded a foregone conclusion that he saw her walking in, or when she walked in, or when he talked to her, and it mm-hmm. became a part of his story.
1: Going back just a little bit, when he had mm. the car accident, all he saw was her eyes. That's that's yeah. kind of it. So that did leave it open as to how she looked. So yeah, I think your mind, I think his mind could totally fill in the blanks and mm. make Miss Thomas into Maya from that perspective. Because you know, yeah. as long as it's a woman or someone wearing very you know very a very specific kind of eyeshadow and such or very yeah. specific kind of a makeup look
0: right and, i mean it's like the second time that we got talk about total recall but in total recall uh it's the same type of scenario where he imagines a woman mm-hmm. and then we see that woman in the movie so it's that type of underlying idea but what we'll end up doing uh, i'll kind of finish out the episode is he sees her and then he jumps out the window to his death, commit suicide, mm-hmm. dies, or at least we think that's what well, happens. it
1: it scares him. He sees her, and then yeah. he gets so scared that he jumps out the window.
0: Exactly. He's like the he's like the guy that goes nope and pulls out the window and jumps out. You know <laughs> that type of thing. I love that gif, by the way. So what's really interesting is we shoot after he's jumped out of the window to his death. We shoot back to the doctor who just seems to be nonchalant in his chair. He walks up, gets Miss Thomas, walks back in the room, and. Edward's character is on the the chair, the couch, mm-hmm. and it's obviously been said that he died, and he has a check his pulse. Now, there's an episode that I've talked about, I think I've talked about it on this uh, on our podcast, but there's an episode of Black Mirror called Playtest. Which deals with a guy who has been stuck in the, I think, uh, Japan or Germany or whatever. He goes to be a uh, playtester for this new virtual reality game or AR alternate reality game, and throughout the thing, he starts imagining things. And the very end of the episode, he dies, but he's only ha- he's only been under this AR game for like less than a second. Mm-hmm. So, what I really thought was fascinating about this whole idea is. It, we talked about. I mean, we actually may have talked about this before as well, but the concept of dreams, the concept of how our brain works, how how our body works when we're asleep, is similar to like something like they talk about in uh, Inception, where the outside world, the normal world that we're talking in right now, is going at a sixty minute pace, hour, twelve hours, twenty four hours a day, but a dream, when you go into the the dream, you could have. what seems like a 12 hour dream and only sleep for five minutes. And it's because your brain is working at such a quick pace to kind of, you know, it's not overloading, but it's kind of the way the brain works is just, it's uh, information just kind of moves quickly when you're asleep and you're resting. I don't necessarily know how entirely how it works, but it moves at a quicker pace. Everything works by that faster. And as we see, as you are aware, what happens to Edward is he literally fell asleep for two seconds, screamed out, and died similar to like what happened in play test and that's why i brought up the whole idea of him and miss thomas that he may have looked at miss thomas in the 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 chair typing or whatever and when he fell asleep he imagined himself having this dream where he's talking to his doctor and so on and so forth so it caused you know, the whole idea of him finally falling asleep and dying because there's also been studies where if you sleep if you don't sleep long if you do stay awake too long you can actually die and stuff like that and oh, yeah. It was really fascinating. I think it really saved the episode, to be fairly honest, on the simple fact that it used, they actually had some logical reasoning to this guy overslept. He was just stressed out. He, I mean, there's more to it than that, I'm sure, but he was stressed out. He fell asleep, and it was too much for his heart because he started talking about Miss Thomas or Maya and all that stuff started to affect him. And when he jumped out the window, that's when he officially died. But the whole episode takes place in like, uh, like a minute and a half segment, Basically, like the yeah. whole, yeah. So it still leads into what is our brain doing and stuff like that. I mean, you know, everything we talked about is still very valid, but ending the episode on that note, did that make the episode better for you? What was your overall feeling on it? Like, how did you view like that last portion? I guess is the real question. Uh, it was for-
1: totally Inception, like that. It felt like I was like, "Holy mm. shit, this is Inception," you know <laughs> that that. But it is. I mean, it, it kind of, and I, I guess you know the it was all a dream thing is an overused mm. trope. But at that point, well, yeah, you know, it wasn't, and I, it, it didn't, it had a payoff. You know, it wasn't just, oh my gosh, everything that happened didn't actually happen. It did happen, and it had consequences.
0: Yeah, it's um, I was. And like I said, I was really put off by this episode and the simple fact that I thought it was a little too gaudy, a little too goofy in what it was trying to do. I thought the whole, even even though we talked about theories and concepts behind what is happening, I thought the whole carnival stuff was just a little too over the top. Like I said, I laugh with the, the wolf-like creature <laughs> and the devil may have been kind of unsettling. There was unsettling stuff in it, but... Yeah it was it was just so weird and i i I just couldn't get into it and then this ending happens and i love endings like this because they have such an interesting way to talk about an episode to get into the nuts and bolts of how does this episode deal with you know our commitment our fears or whatever else we talk about and it literally is an interesting concept of it only takes place the between the time he gets up to the office to the time he lays down is literally like a minute and a half of the actual episode. And I love when they do that kind of stuff that, that just makes it for a very kind of wow. It's just, you told a whole fascinating episode that takes place in this short amount of time. That still feels like a, a really interesting concept. You delivered on the fact that this guy is having this issue and he didn't survive and which is really fascinating, which is what he's always afraid of. So, and, um, it actually makes me wonder if even the beginning stuff was ever even real. Was it Was it literally like he went up and, you know, because like I said, mind plays tricks on you, but yeah. I don't know. It's really interesting. Well, and again, you and, could take um,
1: it like, and this is going back to the Matrix again, but mm-hmm. like when uh, Morpheus is showing Neo the city, it's kind of like fake faceless people. You don't get, you know, there's something that makes them stand out you know mm. there wasn't and obviously it's black and white so you're gonna have a little bit different scenario there but you know yeah. you saw people you saw the same the sh- same shot of shoes going through the ro- rotating door or the revolving door you saw you know the same kind of people same kind of haircut same kind of glasses same kind of business wear going in and out mm. and in and out so yeah i mean it's yeah. quite possible it could have been
0: right and that's really interesting because we I like I said before, we're so laser focused on making money. Like we talked about, we talked about off the air. We're so focused on making money, about having families, uh, having this and that, that when we have stressful moments and we have um, worrying moments, it's almost like it takes over us oh, as yeah. humans. And you know, you can see it. Let's say a parent has a kid, and they are born, you know, you, from the time they're until up till they're born, I mean, even after they're born, you're stressing about, you know, being a father or being a mother, you're stressing about, you know, putting this kid through college and it does eat at you. And we talk all the time about stress and stuff like that. And it's amazing how something like this with what he's dealing with, with his heart and stuff like that, and or how we deal with stress is so fascinating on a level that I still don't truly understand and you watch it and you watch this episode about a guy who's just dealing with ultimate stress and it ends up killing him in the end but it just shows you that it controlled his life it controlled everything about who he was oh yeah and um like i said it's still the twilight zone so there are entities that are kind of you know moving the story forward but i don't know i i, I i'm not still a huge fan of this episode i wouldn't put it like in you know top 10 or whatever or mm-hmm. top 20 but the ending was such a kind of uh kind of hit you in the gut that it actually makes it better There are a lot of episodes that you'll see on uh, that deal with subjects of like, you know, dreaming and stuff like that, you know, it's, it makes sense of why Wes Craven would take something like this because it's a, it's a really interesting kind of uh, uh, storytelling aspect. And it's why Nightmare on Elm Street is such a well-beloved classic horror film is that simple all reason right. of dreams or, you know, everything. It is something that we all do, so.
1: Oh, very much so. Well, and, and yeah. you talk about, um this is going back a little bit, but mm. the idea that Miss Thomas, like, you know, was kind of inserted into his dream in place of whatever entity maya is supposed to be and i mean you do that people do that every day you know you 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 have a bad experience with someone or you have a good experience with someone they their image becomes part of your dream yeah that plays in quite a lot
0: and the funny thing is like even what makes it also really interesting is the carnival isn't the problem that he's having is the fact of what the carnival represents is what his stress is doing to him. It's what his mind is doing to him. You know, the carnival could be uh, his uh, brain trying to cope with the fact that he has so many regrets, so many problems, so many issues with his life growing up that it really starts to kind of over, over consume him. And the, the, it's just like, you know, cause I've had dreams where I've had, you know, thousand foot waves and stuff like that and there's it has nothing to do with the wave it has to do with something you know that's affecting my life or if you have money issues there could be something where you're being chased by a zombie or something i know it's stupid (laughs) but you're being chased by a zombie and it all has to do with the fact you have no money in your account or something like that or you're, you're you're getting ready to go on a date that you're stressing out about and i find that i find that kind of concepts very fascinating like i said we're probably going way deeper than even charles beaumont maybe have gone
1: but it, but it creates discussion and that's kind of yeah. any good twilight zone episode will make you say well what about this and what about that i, I think and regarding the yeah. carnival i don't know i would assume that maybe at the time like it was meant to be kind of uh because carnivals you know they can be scary they can be you know it's, it's not normal life and that was probably right. a really easy way To for them to convey, you know, here's this wild and crazy place where anything could happen, you know, yeah,
0: true, true.
1: That's probably why they went with that imagery,
0: true. And like I said, just from my limited knowledge, limited reading of dream logic and stuff like that, that's where I I kind of ran with it. But yeah, carnivals are very scary, (laughs) very creepy (laughs) places when you think about it. I mean, think of like I always when I think of carnivals, I I always think of like Big Top Pee-wee, Big Top Pee-wee. <laughs> or uh, uh there was an episode of Goosebumps a book of Goosebumps called Welcome to land and oh, yeah. um that was that was scary. Uh, I think <laughs> it Freaked,
1: I, the I, movie Freaked. Oh boy. Exactly. Oh, exactly. Randy or, Quaid. Oh, God, <laughs> help me.
0: Oh. <laughs> or <laughs> Or the uh, uh, the death uh, roller coaster in uh, nothing but trouble.
1: Oh yeah, very much uh, so.
0: <laughs> oh man, speaking of a movie, so. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, that's just that's just, you know, kind of the underlying what I got out of this episode. You know, even I actually as we're talking about, it, I, I started gleaning, gleaning more and more from the episode. So I thought it was kind of interesting. But uh, to close out the episode and let me move out of the next episode that I was reading on something about um, the closing narration says they say a dream takes only a second or so. Very true. Uh, Yet in the second, a man can live a lifetime. Very true. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can suffer and die and who's to say which is the greater reality one we know or the one in dreams which twilight in heaven the sky and the earth in the twilight zone so it's basically saying how we perceive things and how we think of things can be depending on how you look at things i guess is that am i looking yeah, at that I'd correctly say.
1: yeah, yeah. I, your dreams are open to interpretation just don't jump out of a window in your dream
0: <laughs> exactly. You might not. You might not live through that, which I, I I thought was a very interesting kind of um like we said with the time enough at last. It's very interesting how even in '59 they were willing to take these chances. And I mean, most most movies you watch in the theater in 1959 or especially horror films. Or uh, it depends fake, where you go. Weird creatures. Yeah, yeah it depends. <laughs> it, I
1: mean, it depends. It depends on what kind of movie you're talking about. I mean, mm. I think there was that, but it had to be done in very different ways because there were a lot of movies that did talk about suicide and you know things of that nature i mean look at look at old looney tunes cartoons and regarded yeah, the other cartoons so you know what you know a cartoon cat putting a gun to its head isn't <laughs> going to be the same as having you know burgess meredith put a gun to his head
0: yeah but yeah. i
1: mean that the stuff was there and those go back to the 40s and those were by and large not necessarily originally meant for kids but they were still watched by a lot of kids
0: i know it's funny too because like you said it's very prevalent. but you don't think about that you always think about you know the 50s and 40s being very wholesome and they really weren't they were really they were weren't. wholesome they were, showing, they, <laughs> they they were that- more wholesome than we are today but they were <laughs> it was, it, it was, just, was a different
1: just... kind of whole it was a different it was a different kind of wholesome like mm. it, it is it was like you know, you couldn't sleep in the same bed with someone else. You couldn't. You know, they barely showed people pregnant. They didn't show toilets flushing. They didn't show <laughs> all these basic things. But yeah, yeah. I mean, they did it until t- to way the head's weird. fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you wanna you wanna be hit in the head with an iron or a brick? How about it? Yeah, totally. Jump out of a thousand story building and or off of a thousand story cliff and fall to your death with a little a little sign that says "Yikes"? Oh yeah, definitely go for it. So fun yeah. stuff.
0: Yeah, it really is. It's really uh, crazy to think about. But so to kind of you know finish out the episode before we get into the ranking, um what was your after watching this episode, rewatching on a critical aspect, what do you think of the episode?
1: Okay, so I know that we're gonna differ on this point, but mm-hmm. I love the fact that this takes like it looks at the at least the the way that it's shot it's not just a standard three camera studio setup. You actually yeah. have a lot of really interesting shots. They use a lot of interesting lighting. It was outside the box in a lot of ways. And I really appreciate that part. Like right. the director took his time to make sure that this was well done. He understood what kind of an episode it needed to be that a a standard two a standard, you know, medium shot wasn't going to be able to convey like this guy's fear about death. And I, I really appreciate that aspect of it. And like, whether it was intentioned or not, all of the talk of dreams and all that stuff, I, it, it is, I, I really, really, really enjoy this episode.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be straight honest with you. I still am not a huge fan of the episode. I don't like where the doctor and Edward and all that stuff. I feel it gets very campy. And I think some of the dream stuff gets very campy. So I'm really not on board with that. I'm not, I'm definitely, this is not a top 20 episode for me. Maybe oh, not even top 50, <laughs> <laughs> but the one thing I can say about this and As the episodes get more and more, and we start getting more and more comfortable, when an episode can have a discussion, a a very meta, not meta, metaphysical discussion, very deep discussion about, yeah, in depth discussion. I I go with weird words apparently, but in depth discussion is a much easier word. Um, That definitely helps improve the episode. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'll be fairly honest. When we can talk about and we can actually have, you know, all seriousness. When we talked about the 16 millimeter shrine. We <laughs> talked about some very interesting stuff with that episode, but we didn't really find like the huge amount of deep stuff in that episode. Yeah. And it's the same thing it was like, where is everybody? But this episode has a lot of deep discussions and stuff like that. And it, even though it won't ever hit my top 50, and it may hit top 50 for this podcast, but just for me personally, I still got to give it credit for that. I still got to give Charles Beaumont <laughs> and Rod Sterling <laughs> and Rod Sterling enough credit where they were even if it was not intentional they allow for this much discussion because walking distance time enough at last even one for the angels and escape clause they also allow for this kind of discussion so with that said we uh, i'll read down for number one we have walking distance it's definitely not as good walking distance uh number eight is 16 millimeter shrine i definitely think it's better than 60 millimeter shrine if you I'm gonna have to start sending you this list because this list is gonna get long. I think so
1: too, because I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna, because I, yeah, I'm gonna send I, I this. After Walking Distance was one, I think. I uh, I know I think well, one for well, the Angels was like three.
0: Yeah, let me let me do this like next week's episode or the next episode we record. I'll send it to you just to, okay. you know, I'll keep updating, and keep sending it to you. But for right now, Walking Distance is number one. Time enough at last is number two. Three is one for the Angels. Mm-hmm. Escape Clause number four. The Lonely number five. Six is Mr. Denton on Doomsday. Number seven is Where's is Everybody? And number eight, 16mm Shrine. If I it, it, I'll, I'll get, if I were to put this anywhere, I would put this right below escape clause above the lonely because I am have such problems with the lonely. Um, <laughs> so that's but,
1: number four or five for you? Yeah, number
0: four is escape clause. So I would put this okay. at number five for the time being or for this ranking. Do you feel it could be higher than escape clause? Because right now I think... <laughs> You think it could be higher than the Escape Clause, really?
1: I, part of me does. Like I just I love what they did with the and I, I'm a sucker for awesome like production design, especially with something like this. Uh
0: I don't know. The, I feel like the it's better three, than
1: Escape Clause.
0: Okay, because I the top three I don't think are they're way better than this episode, to be honest. Um well what's kind of so, so it down goes versus, it's
1: walking distance.
0: time enough at last time enough at last and and, and one for the angels angels.
1: yeah i i I think it goes right below one below the angels for me
0: well let me ask you this on this kind of do you think because of the discussion because escape clause is more about the a-hole version of an individual do you think that's the reason why or i I think that probably
1: i think that probably plays in quite a lot because we had quite Mm. an in-depth discussion on it and it does it does raise a lot of questions and i don't know i i i I will still say and i know that the story wasn't quite as strong but the i don't know the the production design on this the way that they did it it does stick with me like i i don't normally take note of a lot of that stuff because it is standard three camera studio setup and this one didn't do that it did have some some cool shots which i know you can't judge an entire production by like two or three cool shots
0: yeah Uh, and no 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 well no go with me on this I would disagree with you but i i started thinking as you were talking and i'm like i like escape clause but outside of um the devil i i so hate that main character so much and i think he's so um, apprehensible or whatever um it, it's hard because i'm not gonna like uh, it's not one of those episodes where we're gonna totally agree on but I think uh, because of the discussion, I will – I'll accept it at number four just for that reason because Aww, it really thanks. did – Well, no, this is not <laughs> – th- this is – just. well, this is just because – Um, I was I going to say? This was because I, I, I really didn't go into this episode liking this. And like I said, it's not in my top 50, but this is not – this is a co-podcast, not a, you know, me <laughs> podcast so i can, and we're I can only nine episodes bend.
1: in actually so yeah
0: <laughs> and the fact that we had this much discussion about it I, i'm just gonna i'm just gonna go fuck it you know excuse my language i'm gonna go fuck it and Put number four is you're gonna go fuck dream. the
1: episode i don't think that you should go well. fuck the, i mean unless you're gonna go you know enjoy a carnival and, and and spend some fun time with maya i i don't know that i would fuck this episode outrightly. neither of the nah. two leads were that were that were that good looking although that couch looked plenty plenty soft and fun
0: uh saying. that's a that's a, a different different dream uh <laughs> so <laughs> so with, the, with that said with that said um gotta wait but, to end the episode huh? <laughs> i know right uh so with that said i i will concede i will put Perchance the dream at number four like i said my <laughs> my 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 issues with this episode are outweighed by the discussion simple facts simple reason it was it had a lot to say that's where i'm gonna leave it at it had way more to say than escape clause ever did. It had way more to say than the lonely definitely ever did. Um, it definitely had way more to say than the, the first few episodes we ever watched of this series. And, um, it, it does, it does lead hope to, you know, the next episode Charles Beaumont writes is of course, elegy, which I think is a fantastic episode, which won't lead into as much discussion as perchance the dream, because that's a more cotton candy episode than this episode will ever be. But, um, <laughs> So, yeah. So with that said, I will concede and put it at number four. Yay! Um, So right now uh, on our list, Walking Distance will stay number one for the time being. Sixty mm Shrine will stay at the bottom for the time being.
1: As it should. (laughs) As it
0: should. (laughs) And um, the next episode is an episode I kind of remember is uh, called Judgment Night. And it, of course, is about a man who has amnesia, and he somehow is on a U boat, not U boat, on a boat that's being attacked by a U boat. I think it is, or yep. something. That's being attacked
1: by a U boat.
0: Yeah, yeah. Which I, if I remember the conclusion, I thought was really fascinating. But we'll we'll see when we get to the episode. But it has a lot of a lot of people in it. Actually, nobody I recognize, but there's you know at least like twelve people crowd. in this. Yeah, yeah. It's, big a, cast it's a large cast. Exactly. So we'll leave it for the next episode, which will be actually our 10th episode. And uh, yeah, that'll do it. That'll be our take on uh, season one, episode nine, which is perchance a dream. And uh, as we conclude, uh, as we always do, Triv, Trivial Theater, where can they find yourself?
1: (laughs) You can find me in the Trivial Theater, which has a lot of blinking lights and is all decked out for Halloween right now.
0: (laughs) Exactly. And you
1: uh, you can find me on youtube at uh, trivial theater uh, i'm in the middle of spooky month so stop by and say hi i've got at least two more episodes coming out this month so
0: and you actually just did an episode with uh morbid heart designs called yep. black roses which i've never heard of before but oh, what, a great uh, some of the stuff that uh morbid heart designs was doing especially the guitar at the beginning was kind mm-hmm. of awesome so Oh you know, yeah. You did that in uh, Little Shop of Horrors as well, which was awesome. So Oh yeah.
1: Love that movie. Yeah.
0: yeah. Definitely <laughs> um, not so-
1: like this, but not definitely not like this episode. <laughs>
0: no, <laughs> definitely not. Uh though there's some discussion about plant eating people. So yeah. um <laughs> So, yeah, look out for content, as always. And uh, with that said, you can find me at Movie Emporium, you know, YouTube.com slash Movie Emporium, Twitter Movie Emporium, all that stuff. Uh, Getting getting ready to head into a lot of movies here within a couple weeks, so look out for all that content. But, uh, yeah, that'll do it. That'll be our uh, ninth episode, which is on Perchance of Dream. And uh, with that said, we'll see you guys in the Twilight Zone. Peace out, everyone.
1: Take care. I don't want to have a recording in progress. I just Yeah.
0: Well we'll have a recording in Congress. Right. To that too. <laughs> also <boom. laughs>